they are largely unseen since most of them are underground. Nobody pulls out their phone to preserve a record of its beauty. But if anybody would ever doubt how necessary a foundation is, you would only need to speak to one of the hundreds of residents of the Millennium Tower in San Francisco. The Millennium Tower opened in 2008 with grand expectations. 58 stories high, 645 feet tall, spectacular panoramic views of San Francisco Bay. The 400 multi-million dollar condos it contains cater to the upper crust, the upper echelons of city dwellers. The builders and designers considered every amenity for the average, above average, wage earner. The Millennium Tower features an indoor pool, a fitness center, a theater, a wine cellar, a full concierge service. The San Francisco Chronicle reported that the ownership group sold over $100 million worth of condos, ranging in price from $1.6 million to $10 million in just the first five weeks after the sales office opened. This building has everything, everything, except a solid foundation. Beginning in 2015, the Millennium Tower began to sink, and by 2018, it had settled 17 inches and tilted 14 inches. Even after being declared safe for occupancy, the owners departed in droves. Over 100 condos sold in 2017 at an average loss of $320,000. But why? If you shell out $1.6 million or $10 million and then you take a $320,000 loss, weren't the accommodations luxurious enough? Weren't the amenities and the services, weren't they good enough? Every consideration for the comfort and pleasure, they were still there. The only lack in the entire massive, beautiful Millennium Tower was one nobody could see. The foundation was inadequate. But once the foundation began to crumble, everybody could see it. So it is with life. Our foundation, though generally dug out and fashioned absent the public eye, it matters more than all the accoutrements and the accessories and the accommodations with which we often seek to beautify our lives. If our foundation is secure, none of the storms of life can unsettle us. If not, our lives will sooner or later begin to sink into despair and tilt away from an upright, eternal standing. But what provides the right foundation to live successfully? Upon what should our lives be built? What affords unshakable, unsinking footing in a world of uncertainty and insecurity? The answer is simple. The answer is singular. Such a foundation is found only in obedience to the unchanging Word of God. Children of God, we must make a conscious and intentional decision to build our lives upon this foundation. Every decision must be shaped by the principles of God's Word. Every priority defined by it. Every facet of life governed by it. In so doing, we ensure our lives will not bear the sad outcome of the Millennium Tower, slowly sinking and off-center. And we're going to learn exactly how to do that right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry. I'm your God's Word for Life companion podcast host, and you're listening to the God's Word for Life companion podcast 
Today's episode stems from a lesson dated August 21st, 2022, and it is the penultimate episode of this series, The Importance of God's Word. Penultimate is our feature $5 word for the day. So take a look and find out what penultimate means and then use it in conversation. Today's episode is entitled Building on God's Word. And for it, we look to 2 Chronicles 34, verse 31. Don't be afraid. No begats in this one. Just this text. And the king stood in his place. See, I told you, no begats. And made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul to perform the words of the covenant which are written in this book. That's 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 31. Who is this king? That's a great question. His name was Josiah. Josiah was a direct descendant of King David. He began to rule when he was only eight years old. Eight years old. He still loved peanut butter and jelly, and he was crowned to be king. And he arose to sit on the throne over a nation far adrift from its monotheistic roots. Judah's succession of rulers had included the righteous and unrighteous, but Josiah's grandfather, Manasseh, wow, he was one of the worst. The list of his wicked deeds includes all manner of idol worship, even child sacrifice, extreme violence, blasphemy. Given this family legacy, it's amazing to consider Josiah is recorded to have done, quote, that which was right in the sight of the Lord, end quote. That's found in 2 Kings 22, verse 2. As a part of that quest, Josiah noted the temple had fallen into disrepair due to the wicked condition of the nation, and so he ordered religious and civil authorities to instigate immediately repairs of God's house. But they needed money. So to fund the efforts, they asked the high priest Hilkiah to produce the funds that had been collected through taxes on the inhabitants of Judah. Here's a question. How does the account of Josiah's departure from the patterns set by his ungodly ancestors encourage us if we have a less than stellar family lineage? If Josiah did it, we can too. So Hilkiah went into the treasury to get the money, and he made a startling discovery. He located what the Bible called the Book of the Law. Many scholars accept that it was most likely the Torah or a portion of the Torah, maybe what we know as the Book of Deuteronomy. The fact that a document as significant as this one had been lost among the many items in the treasury just testifies to how much the people in Judah disregarded spiritual things. This drastic departure from righteousness would be no great surprise given their disregard for the Word of God. If they hadn't read the Word, didn't know the Word, of course they didn't obey the Word. We can only imagine the emotions fostered in Hilkiah, who was the priest, when he located this book of the law. Hilkiah gave it to Shaphan, one of those who was tasked with the temple renovations, and Shaphan notified the king, took the scroll immediately to Josiah, and he did something even of more significance. He read its contents to the king. He read the word of God to King Josiah. Having the word of God in our possession is precious, but we should never take that for granted. Merely owning God's word is insufficient unless we read what it says. And Shaphan articulated the contents of the book of the law to the king and set in motion a profound set of events. Speaking of reading the Bible, do you have a daily Bible reading plan? And if so, which one or ones have been successful for you and what made it work for you? When Josiah heard the reading and the record of God's word, he was immediately convicted. 
The Bible records he rent his clothes. It was a common cultural expression of dismay. He was grieved, terribly grieved, grievously by the contrast between what he heard of how the nation should be living and how he saw the nation was living. This disparity produced conviction. We aren't living according to the word of God. Thank God for conviction. It's one of the greatest friends any child of God can have. The word simply means convincing. When we are convinced of the truths of God's word and we see the gap between the ideal and the reality of life, our heart will be smitten by that. If we are submitted as a child of God, we will be driven to make some substantive changes in our lives in order to reflect more properly the values and the principles found in God's word. If our life doesn't line up, may God send conviction until it does. Would you think of a time when conviction produced a specific benefit for you spiritually? And what was it about that moment that caused conviction to bear fruit in your life? Shortly after Israel exited Egypt, the nation of Israel was uniquely built on the foundation of God's word. Right there at Mount Sinai, God laid out for Moses and the people all the precepts and the regulations he required of them. It was known as the law of Moses. It was to be and to remain the foundation upon which Israel's national story would be built. But if they were ever to turn aside from it and build their collective lives on any other foundation, they would most assuredly secure the curse of God. If you observe it and obey it, you will be blessed. But if you don't, you will be cursed. That's found in Deuteronomy 5 and Deuteronomy 28, respectively. If the book of the law read to Josiah was taken in part or in whole from Deuteronomy, he would have probably heard one of those, maybe both, of those passages along with others that reiterate this same promise. When we as people depart from the secure foundations of a godly life, we need a voice to direct us back on course. We need the word of God to speak to us, whether that voice is framed from the lips of a pastor or a righteous friend or the Holy Spirit as it enlivens the word during our personal devotion and study. The vehicle through which the Word of God speaks is not quite as important as our response to it. Any Christian who desires to please God and serve Him faithfully will manifest that desire through a humble response to the voice of Scripture. James instructed us in his book to receive with meekness the engrafted Word, which is able to save our souls. This conviction that smote King Josiah's heart after Shaphan read the book of the law and read of the promise of God's judgment for their disobedience. It compelled him to commission a group of trusted men to inquire of the Lord. If we're not doing what he said, let's go talk to him and ask him how we can make our wrongs right. So they went their way and they made their way to a prophetess in Jerusalem named Huldah. And she gave a very clear word to the king through these emissaries, addressing what was soon to come on the kingdom and on him personally. The prophetess told them, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and the inhabitants thereof, even all the curses that are written in the book which they have read before the king of Judah. Ooh, that's scary. Then she pointedly told the men Josiah sent that God would be thorough in his performance. He would leave no stone unturned. Every curse found in the book that was read to the king would surely come to pass. Such a fearsome and wrathful God is not acceptable to modern man. His mercy endures forever, and without question, he is gracious and he is slow to anger. Thank God for it. We read those in Psalm 103 and 106. But 
We must never lose sight of the truth that God is also fiercely protective of his word and of his holiness. Nothing his word ever says will ever fail. So when it declares that our sin will be dealt with, it will be dealt with. God's character is the guarantee. His nature is the guarantee behind every word, every promise he has spoken. So here's a question. Why do people convince themselves that the promise of judgment doesn't apply to them? How is that dangerous to live in that way? The primary violation of God's word and that for which God was about to judge was Judah's repeated and perpetual worship of false gods all throughout her history. The nation had turned from loyalty to Jehovah and bowed itself to every idol of the people around them. So many of them had become so perverse and so and so depraved and so wicked that they even burned their own children in worship to unmoving pieces of stone and brass. When Josiah heard what the prophetess said, he was compelled to action. Immediately he gathered the elders of the land, the priests, the Levites, all the inhabitants of Jerusalem together, and read the same words to them from the book of the law. He confronted the people with the truths that confronted them. And then in the sight of all the people gathered that day, Josiah made a covenant with God that he would obey every commandment and serve God with his whole heart. That should be our response. Josiah renewed a covenant with God and promised to serve him with his whole heart. Maybe up to that point, Josiah was not doing right, but as soon as he found out what the word of God called for, he asked the Lord to forgive him and help him to do right. Josiah was not content just making his own personal commitment to God. Without question, that's where it had to start, but he would not allow it to end with him alone. The nation faced impending judgment and destruction because of the sins of the greater populace. The people were wicked. So the need was great for all of them to return to God's word and repent. Josiah used his position as king to mandate that everybody in the land would obey God's precepts, and they did so all the days of Josiah's life. It's self-evident that we cannot force others to obey God's word, but seeing others drawn toward a new commitment should always be our deepening consecration and the consequence of that deepening consecration. We all have an effect, whether good or for evil, on those in our circle of influence. I pray that we can use our influence for good and for God. Many of us undoubtedly stand where Josiah stood on that day. In fact, all of us, have or will to one degree or another. We are routinely confronted with the reality that there is a gap between the ideals of Scripture and the reality of our day-to-day lives. Spiritual growth should mean that the distance between those two continues to narrow, but so long as we are living in a fallen, broken, imperfect world, that gap will always exist, even if just a little. But how we respond when we are confronted by Scriptures is important, paramount for our long-term spiritual life and growth. When we observe a lack of obedience to the Word of God in our lives, we must mirror King Josiah's willingness to repent and change if we are to grow in Jesus Christ. Often this means renewing some old commitments that have fallen away, casualties of misguided priorities and fleshly desires. And at other times, it means making new commitments to yield to what God's Word has just recently spoken to us. We must repair the broken foundation and rebuild our lives on God's Word and His Word alone. One more question. What is one area of your life the Word of God is calling you to change? 
What new commitment do you need to make or old commitment do you need to remember and renew? Okay, we wrap this up. The two houses were likely the same size. No indication that one of the builders was more skilled than the other. We assume neither one was assembled from substandard building materials. So just a a quick cursory view would indicate each house was the equal of the other. Matthew chapter 7 even tells us they faced the same storm. The weather forecast for each house was rain. Rains descended, floods came, wind blew, and beat against both of them. Their difficulty, their storm, they were the same. But oh, how different the outcome. One survived, the other was destroyed. One weathered the storm, the other was weathered by it. One was a victor, the other a victim. One stood, the other fell, and great was the fall. But why? If they were so similar, their experiences, their storms were the same, what produced such a different outcome? Uh, You've probably already guessed it based on our opening story and the entire story of this episode. It was the foundation. The wise man in verse 24 built his house upon a rock. The foolish man in verse 26 built his house upon the sand. And that one simple choice of foundation produced stability for the wise man and devastation for the foolish. The wise man who built on the rock is identified as the man who hears the word of God and does what it commands. By contrast, the foolish is one who hears the word of God but does not do as it commands. That's the difference, the one singular solitary difference between the two lives pictured in Matthew's gospel in Matthew chapter 7. We all will make conscious decisions about what we build our lives on and by the extension the lives of our families. Our choice of foundation is not a matter of random chance. It is a willful choice. And if we choose to be submitted to the principles and direction of the Word of God, our lives will be firmly established on a foundation that cannot be shaken, no matter the politics, no matter the economy. No storm will unseat it. No pressure will move it. No temptation will bring it down. Our life will stand. But if we choose to forsake that foundation and build on any combination of just human ideas or temporal values or just philosophy. There's no hope. Our lives will not stand in this world or the next. We will suffer a tragic end because we cannot stand with the rain, the waves, the wind that are sure to come. We should step out on the front porch of our lives and look down to discover what is beneath us. If our submission to the word of God is intact, we'll see a solid rocky footing beneath us. But if we have chosen to ignore the voice of Scripture, we will see sand between our toes. Either might be adequate in good weather, but when the storms come, we will be thankful we build our house upon obedience to the Word of God. King Josiah would instruct us, when confronted and convicted by the Word, submit, repent, and change. Otherwise, the God who is faithful to reward is also faithful to judge. I would like to pray right now that the Lord would help us to build our lives upon the rock, that he would help us to build our lives upon the obedience to the word of God and help us to make sure our lives and our families' lives will stand no matter the storm. Lord Jesus, I thank you today for your word, for giving it to us. What a gift, what a blessing to have your word. May we never take it for granted. May we never just read it, but may we also obey it. May we understand it 
and help us, Lord, when your word convicts us and confronts us. May we repent and ask you to forgive us. I do pray today, God, search us through your spirit and through your word. Search us to know if there's anything in us that ought not be there, if there are any cracks in the foundation or any seams that we don't know about, please let us know. If we are disobeying in an area by doing something we know is wrong or even don't know is wrong or we're not doing something we should do that we know is right or don't even know is right but should be doing it, please let us know through your spirit and through your word and help us to build our lives upon the rock and help us to help others build their lives upon the rock as well. I ask you this today and praise you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks so much, God's Word for Life listeners. Hey, be sure to click subscribe and share, and you'll never miss an episode, and neither will your friends or your family have to miss an episode. Head on over to PentecostalPublishing.com for some great resources. If you're looking for something to help you in your devotional walk and your discipleship, or you're just looking for somebody to help somebody else, be sure to visit PentecostalPublishing.com. We've got everything from Bibles to Bible studies to books to music to inspirational resources, everything you could need to help build your life on the Word of God. Next week, we wrap up this series, The Importance of God's Word, and we wrap up this entire quarter as we get ready to head into the fall quarter. We're into the Burr months very close. So join me next week as I share with you the final episode of this series and quarter. It is called God's Word and My Heart, and it stems from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, Visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.